Bonjour and bonsoir, dear friends, from the fabulous Route Room. This is JCB Live, happy hour. And this is going to be one of the most happy hour because we're going to be with an amazing man. His name is Kent Rathmus. He is one of the best chefs that the United States have ever seen. He started in the kitchen with his mother at the age of 14. He knew what he wanted to do. And he became one of the most charismatic and one of the most charming and talented chefs in the history of a country. He's never lived this fabulous place of Texas, a place we love, we adore. And we're going to be with him in his kitchen because he's going to give us the tutorial on the art of grilling and cooking. He owns an unbelievable destination named the Abacus, which is one of the top restaurants in the whole United States. He was a big contestant on the Aaron Chef. He's going to tell us all about that great story. And very importantly, he is surrounded with a fabulous wife who is as well a big operator in the world of food and wine. So he owns multiple places. He will tell us all about it. Dear friends, let's welcome Ken Rathmus. Woo! Hello, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the very, very nice uh, introduction. I am so excited to be here and I cannot wait to get started. Well, Kent, we got to start as we always do when we see each other with a glass of bubbles. I just happen to have one right here, in fact, and I have an empty glass. So <laughs> let me just well, get this. Uh, I've seen you drinking outside of the bottle directly. So you could do that too. <laughs> yeah, I can do that too. Let me see. Should, should we make this a quiet one, Jean-Charles? No, no, no. Loud. As loud as you can. There we go. How about that? Very uh, good. This is, uh, this is nice and chilled, and I am so thrilled to be drinking this. In fact, I just want to say that uh, as I saw you uh, begin to appear in the Red Room, I, I mentioned to you that I have been fortunate enough a number of times to be out at some of the wineries in Napa, and I've been in the Red Room for some wonderful, wonderful tastings. And I just want to thank you for having me again on the show. This is going to be so much fun. Cheers. Well, we're very honored to have you. And thank you. Where are you right now in this amazing, spectacular setting? Well, so I'm in my backyard, actually. Um, we are so fortunate. Today in Dallas, Texas, it's about 75 degrees and absolutely gorgeous. There's a slight breeze. The sun is out. There's not a cloud in the sky, and it couldn't be a more perfect day to be out here cooking and drinking a little JCB number 21. Well, thank you so much. Well, I love your backyard. Maybe maybe when I come back to Texas, we should do an event at your house. It's amazing. I, I'm not sure if maybe is, is the word. I think I think it, it's a must. I think we have Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely, and, and vice versa, whenever you want to come west. You know what I've dreamt when I heard about your elk story. Shall we start with that one? Because this is a very fun story you did on Top Chef. Well, it's uh, actually, uh, it was Iron Chef. Uh, and it was an interesting time for my brother and I. We, we battled against uh, Bobby Flay. And our ingredient was elk. And I'll tell you a little bit of the background of the story, which is probably something I shouldn't be talking about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. This is kind of this is kind of top secret news. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, how live is the show? How many tapes, you know, how many takes do they do of different episode parts, you know? And so whenever they 
reveal the ingredient, uh, we see the ingredient for the first time at that moment. But then over the next five to seven minutes, they do two or three more takes of that reveal and we have to, oh, you know, we have to give our surprise look. So during that, during those several takes, I was mentioning to my brother that I saw all the pieces of elk that we would need to do the dishes that we were thinking about doing. And um, I was just going to grab them and go. And one of the producers was listening to me and he said, chef, he said, you really must uh, grab this whole chunk of elk. And just so you remember, I, I mean, just so I can set the stage, the table of elk had three, I'm sorry, had, had six quarters of elk. So three pieces on each side stacked really high with this massive pile of antlers on the top. And then the two other uh, quarters of elk were boned out, trimmed out, and then kind of stuck in here and there. And so the producer said, you know, it'd be great if you grabbed one of those big chunks of elk, okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an elk, John Charles. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Elks are, elks are a little bigger than deer, okay? <laughs> so anyway, uh, when we finally started the match, I went over and grabbed a piece of elk. And I, I think this thing probably weighed literally 150 pounds, okay? I mean, it was massive. And so I, I, you know, I'm a big guy. So I carried this thing across the kitchen and slammed it down on my cutting board and started starting cutting. You, and then and you, you started cutting right on the show. I started cutting right on the, right on the show, right there. I mean, right there. And so what was interesting is that I heard the host of the show talking about Bobby Flay needing to get back in the gym. And I, I started laughing. I was kind of wondering what that was all about. And I looked over and Bobby had tried the same trick. He didn't make it. Uh, his, his chunk of elk hit the ground in, in the first 10 seconds of the show. So uh, that was a pretty famous moment for me. And in fact, I'll tell you another quick story to go along with this. Later uh, in my restaurant, we got an opportunity to host one of the producers of Iron Chef America later, you know, several months before we aired the show, by the way. And uh, he was telling me about, you know, how awesome the show was. And he was telling all his friends at the table, this is the guy that beat Bobby Flay. This is a guy that's, you know, going to go down in history as one of the greatest Iron Chefs ever. And I, I was laughing because we were all under a sort of a gag order. Anyway, later did I find out that that moment where I'm carrying the elk was on a special for Iron Chef America called the top 10 most memorable moments. So not only did we, did we, you know, did we win the match and it, and it aired in a beautiful time frame, and we had a lot of viewership, but we also got onto the special. So it was kind of a double whammy for my brother and I, and I tell you, it was a game changing day for him and I both in careers and personal uh, appearances and everything. I mean, it was a fantastic day. So we were proud to be there and proud to win. Wow. This is an amazing story. I'm going to have another toast for you. On, on the too. fabulous, you're having the JCB, I'm having the LVE with our friend John Legend. So between two legends, John and you on TV winning against Bobby Flay, cheers and congratulations. Cheers. <laughs> so tell us about your motivation to know so early what you wanted to do in life, because this is quite amazing, Kent. You are 14 and you say, that's what I want to do. And I know a lot of our friends with us today always look for that why moment. 
in other people's and get inspired by it. So how did that work for you? You know, uh, I grew up in Kansas City with a mother and a father that both loved cooking and both loved entertaining. My, my mother, uh, she was a maitre d'. When I, when I turned 14, well, first of all, when I was born, as soon as I could remember my mother going to work, I remember that she was a server in restaurants. And she worked in really nice restaurants. So what was really nice about that for my brother and I is that we got to visit restaurants that quite, quite honestly, none of my friends even knew existed. And my mother was, you know, working in these restaurants. My dad would take us for dinner and it would be a fantastic experience for us. And so as she kind of rose in her career from a server to a manager to a, uh, you know, like dining room manager to a food and beverage director, then she became a maitre d' of the top French restaurant in Kansas City. The name of the restaurant was called Le Bonaberge. Yeah. And when you add to the fact that my mother was a female in a time where there were no other females on the floor in French restaurants as captains. I mean, they were all men. That's right. And, you know, this was back in, you know, the early 70s, okay? And uh, I will tell you that the other thing that made her pretty awesome was she was six foot three. So she was very wow. memorable. And she was quite the entertainer. And then my dad had been a jazz musician early in his life and spent a lot of time in the kitchens when he was on the road doing these, uh, you know, band tours. Yeah. We had just uh, all the time, great parties. We entertained all the time. We had live bands in the, in the, in the basement of our house. Uh, there was always great food cooking. And so I was experiencing great food and learning how to cook with my parents at, at like, four and five years old, but it was when I was 14, I took my first job at a restaurant called Sambo's, which is very similar to what you all would know now as Denny's. Yeah. And um, started out as a dishwasher and that very first night, I went and asked the chef that came on at night at 10 o'clock. I said, if you'll show me some things about how to cook, I'll stay and, I'll stay and help you. And uh, I think he thought that was a pretty good opportunity. And within two weeks or three weeks, maybe, uh, I was cooking on the schedule with the other cooks. And so that's how I got started. <laughs> well, congratulations. Hey, you seize your opportunity. You worked for free for a while just to I learn did. the ropes. And, and then he gave you an opportunity on the line. That's pretty impressive. I so think at 14. John, Charles, I'm, I'm still working for free sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't we all? <laughs> so as we keep talking, I think you should tell us what you're planning to do today because we're looking at you with your amazing setting and your incredible kitchen. We're looking at the outdoor, that very peaceful, natural environment. What are you thinking to show us and teach us? Well, uh, first of all, I love grilling. I love cooking outside. And as I said, I grew up in Kansas City with a dad who loved to cook. And of course, Kansas City is known for steaks and beautiful meats. And so I thought, I thought it'd be interesting today to choose a dry age piece of meat. This is a dry age uh, ribeye. And I want to talk a little bit about the differences. Are you familiar with the differences between like choice and prime and dry age meats? No, please tell us all about it because we all want to learn from the master. Well, so, you know, uh, many people don't know, really, they, they kind of understand dry age, they've heard it, but they don't really know what it means necessarily. But, you know, for all practical purposes, I would think that most people that are watching this program uh, are going to want to be at least buying choice meats. When they're cooking at home because they're a very high quality product but as they go up the, the line a little bit you get then the prime which is even 
nicer and more marbled and usually more tender than choice. And then you get to Wagyu, which is a completely different breed. And then you get to dry aged pieces of meat. And what happens here with this, the dry aged piece of meat uh, is the way this all works is they take the whole strip or the whole ribeye or the whole tenderloin and they put it in a walk-in refrigerator that is basically set up and designed to dry age meat. And that means that there's UV light inside, there is a certain temperature uh, achieved inside and there's a certain humidity achieved inside. And that, that is all in the process of trying to grow a certain bacteria around the outside of the meat. Uh -huh. So what happens is when you have dry aged meat, you take it out of the plastic bag. So right away, all of the juices that come out of a, a piece of meat in a big plastic bag, they, they go in the trash can. So right away, it becomes more expensive. And let's say, for instance, you take a ribeye, a whole ribeye that might weigh 18 pounds, and you put it into a dry age unit, and you dry yeah. age it for 60 days. Well, it's quite possible that that thing could lose 20% of its weight. So wow, now, that's a lot. Now what you've paid for is now 20% less yield right out of the gate, and you haven't even trimmed it yet. So uh, the dry age process is all about making the meat more tender, more flavorful, and for sure it's more flavorful. And in fact, it gets very, very earthy. And some people think that dry aged meat almost tastes like it's starting to spoil, but unfortunately for them, and fortunate for me, and maybe you, uh, this is exactly what we're looking for with prime uh, dry aged meat. We want that flavor that's very nutty, very earthy, it's beautiful. And so it's got a very distinct flavor. Uh, there's also one other grade I wanna just mention real quick. In between, uh, the choice and prime at the top 10% of all choice meat is what we call CAB and that's called certified Angus beef. And so years ago when we had so many steakhouses around the country that are serving prime meats and choice meats, we just had to figure out a way to find some place in the middle that we could grade certain meats because we were just not getting enough prime to serve the, the needs. So CAB is the top 10% of choice. It's right yep. under prime, and it's a beautiful piece of meat. So what I'm going to do real quickly. Well, thank uh, you for that explanation, Ken. Very yeah. extremely well said. Maybe I should put myself in a plastic bag, so I'm going to lose 20% of my weight, <laughs> which I need to do before the holidays. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, Jean-Charles, let me tell you just a couple of points about setting the grill, and then I would love to hear you talk about the wine before we get ready to cook. Is that okay? Absolutely, but please. Awesome. You know, we all want to see you in full action. We, we've got the, the, the most amazing pro in front of us. So this is such a privilege. Well, I have a, I have a beautiful Lynx grill here. And yeah. uh, this, is a, this is a fantastic gas grill. And so if you're cooking on, on wood with charcoal or wood, that's fine. If you're cooking with gas, that's fine as well. Um, what I've done with the gas grill is there's three burners. I've set the one on the left, on my left over here. Uh, yep. I've set it completely high. The one in the middle is right in the middle. And then the one over here is very low. The reason I do that is because I really believe that you need to have a place to go with a piece of meat or a piece of fish after you've seared it really nicely so that it doesn't burn, but it still can sit and finish and roast slowly and all of that. So you want to have a place on your grill that's a little cooler. In okay. the case of a wood grill or a charcoal grill, you want to just build the fire on one side of the grill. So that when you've charred it really nice, you have a place to put it where it's not so hot.
Okay, so that's mm. what we did there. First, the first step is to light the grill in plenty of time and make sure that it's plenty hot. And believe it or not, that sounds elementary, but you know, people don't do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, second step is to clean the grill really, really well. Yeah. Third step is to uh, decide ultimately where you're going to cook. And in this case, I have all kinds of ranges, so I don't really have to need, I don't need to do that. I can just move the meat. Uh, the fourth step is to oil the grill, which I'm going to do right now. And this is as easy as this. I have some grapeseed oil right here and I have an old kitchen towel and I'm just going to oil this up a little bit. Okay. And I'm just going to walk over here and basically I'm just going to oil the grill where I'm going to drop the steak. It cleans yeah. it up and it makes it lubricated a little bit. Wow. What a beautiful setup you have. Magical. So I'm not sure. I think you guys ought to be able to see how hot the left-hand side of the grill is. Yeah. So this is an infrared burner. We call it a Trident burner. And uh, it is really, really hot. In fact, with all three of these burners on high, this grill will run about 750 degrees. So Oof. that's kind of where we want to be. Now, while we're waiting for that to kind of catch its heat back again, which won't take long, I'm going to go ahead and season this up real quick. Uh-oh, I spilled a little champagne. That is... <laughs> well, you may want to put them, put a little <laughs> bubbles on the searing of it. <laughs> I'm going to serve some Pinot because, you know, we need a little bit of red as well as you're oh, tempting us thing. with red wine. Oof. So I'm serving one of our wines and wineries in Sonoma. You have not seen them, Wattle Creek. And it's a beautiful transformative label. This is that great label, which is all butterflies. And it's a Pinot Noir that I just want you to see. And not yet with the meat. I think with the meat, we have a Cabernet as well, which will be richer, denser, more opulent and powerful, which will go very well with, with the food. But just as a lighter version of red, just to engage ourselves, I'm toasting to you and your beautiful demonstration there. So what is it to, as you're preparing it, to have a fabulous wife in the restaurant world and together running the most amazing operation in Texas? Tell us about that. Well, I, I'm blessed and I'm lucky. Uh, she is a fabulous lady. She's beautiful. She's very smart. And uh, she and her partner, Lene Farring, have built great businesses. And, you know, I've been there, I've been there to help, but I've been telling you, they did it. And uh, they, they, you know, they have uh, opened restaurants that are phenomenal restaurants in Dallas. And for that matter, I think some of the best in Texas. And yeah. uh, we just, we just, we're a restaurant family. Um, we work all the time. We have the same clientele. We have the same friends. And, uh, you know, as you know, in the restaurant business, I'm sure in the same in the wine business, we're so busy that we cherish the time together as opposed to worried about being together too much. And so <laughs> this is how it all works out for us, you know? Well, and, and you know, Kent, we, we have exactly the same uh, type of um, setup. My lovely wife, Gina, makes wine, as you know, with the Gallo family. So, and I make wine on our side, so it's the same. We have very focused discussions and, and it's when we have the time together that what we cherish rather than you know, spending too much time together and not enjoying it as much. So agreed. Same, same, same way. Yeah, well, and by the way, I, I want to thank you and Gina both for all of your participation with the Tasty NFL and what you do for the uh, the hunger links around America. You know, I've been 
Uh, I've represented the Dallas Cowboys at the Super Bowl and yes. the ACNFL for nearly 30 years, and I know you guys have been a part of that forever. For sure. And uh, we just appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Well, thank you. And it's such a great program. I mean, is there anything better? Wineries, phenomenal restaurant, charismatic chef, phenomenal football player, all get together for one cause, feeding hungry. I mean, exactly. that's one of the best things to do. For sure. So, um, so that, show go, us go that right ahead. No, no, please. It's looking beautiful there. Well, I want to I wanna kind of season this up and get ready to cook, and then I'm going to kick it back to you. We can talk about the wine, and then when you're ready to tell me to cook, we're going to put up a timer so people can kind of get a sense of how long this steak take, takes to cook. Uh, but right now, what I've done is I've, I've oiled the steak with a little bit of grapeseed oil, and right now I'm going to season it pretty heavily with a season that I actually make. Um, I actually have a line of seasonings here that I have um, developed and we use them in our kitchens and I use them in my kitchen at home. And uh, we have a number of different seasoning. This, this particular one is a garlic chop salt that simply has, you know, garlic, uh, cracked black pepper and uh, kosher salt. And I like a little extra pepper. So I'm gonna kind of hit that with just a little pepper grinder. And then remember earlier, uh, Jean-Charles, I told you about my dad loving to cook and growing up in Kansas City. Yeah. So I want to tell you about a recipe that, and this is his recipe. My dad's name was Max and he was a great cook, but my dad used to do this steak, just like I've done a little bit of, you know, canola oil, grapeseed oil. And then he would season it with garlic, cracked black pepper and salt. But there was one, there was one addition that he would use and that's dried Italian seasoning from the spice shelf. And this hmm. is a blend of dried basil, dried chives, dried thyme, and dried parsley. And wow. you know, as a chef, I grew up and I'm thinking, okay, we use fresh herbs in the kitchen. And why would you ever use dry herbs like this on a beautiful piece of meat? But I can tell you, whenever I cook this steak, the smell, I mean, just the smell of this jar open and the smell that I get coming off of the grill uh, it brings me right back to my dad. It brings me right back to growing up in Kansas City. And there's something about this dried spice on this steak that's phenomenal. So this is the final ad. And uh, oh. he was very, very, uh, uh, very insistent that we only did it on one side and we always had to rub it like this onto the steak. Oh. And then he always wanted it kind of pressed in there, okay? Beautiful. So, and, and why one side? Well... He never could tell me, but because it was such a great steak, I didn't want to change the recipe. <laughs> so, so that's, that's as simple as it gets. Um, so I have the steak ready to go. Um, I do want to talk about this little piece of fruit that I have. Um, E-trog, right? E-trog. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask Jerry to talk to you about the E-trog. As long as I've been cooking my whole life, I've never seen one of these. Uh, it, looks like any other kind of, you know, wrinkly lemon, but it's called an e-trog. Huh. Uh, by the way, this little guy was $6. Uh, not sure if it's worth it. We'll find out together. Um, but Jerry, <laughs> tell him a little bit about, about this. And guys, I'm sorry about the background noise. we got a neighbor going on. Uh, I hope that's not too, uh, too cumbersome. No, we're going to hear the grill soon. It's going to be much better. Well, Basically, you guys, an e-trog is classified as a citrus medica, and they're an ancient type of citrus 
that has been cultivated since biblical times and are primarily grown for traditional Jewish rituals. And they say that they can cost up to a hundred dollars. And these people, wow. after they after they use them in a prayer ritual, they will like cover them with like these claws and put them in gold boxes to store them. Like this is a very big deal fruit. And Kent's just gonna use it for juice. Yeah, well I don't I mean, know about this. Listen, I love I love a little lemon. I'm, I mean I love I love Italy and I love to go to Italy and, and lemon is one of my favorite things from Italy. And so what I've done is I've put a little bit of uh, lemon zest on here. And then I also want to talk about something I have in the grill already that I snuck in on you. Maybe you didn't see it. <laughs> I have uh, I have just a little bit of herb butter that I made uh, last night for this for this little demonstration. But this is a compound butter that I melted down. It's got garlic, shallots. Oh. It's got rosemary, fresh lemon. It's got cracked black pepper. And it's got a lot of lemon juice in it. And so what I'm going to do here is I have a beautiful, uh, I have a beautiful bread bowl that's been made with. You can see that I took a little snack off of here. Yeah, of course, um, this <laughs> is, chef's got a taste. <laughs> yeah, this has been made with uh, Gruyere cheese. And so oh. I thought, you know, this might be a pretty good little steak sandwich. So <laughs> what I'm going to do oh. here is I'm just going to. Uh, Where'd my you're going to make us starve on the other side watching yeah you. so i'm going to brush a little us, bit of herb butter here yeah and the butter you did it last night is it better to do it the day before well for this uh it doesn't really matter uh unless you're going to use the herb butter in a fashion that i want to talk about real quick in fact let me get it out of the refrigerator i want to show you real quick yeah what a great, phenomenal step-by-step -step process. So after we make the herb butter, we take it and put it in some plastic. And then we roll it up, tighten it up on each end, and we make a log out of it. Once this sets up in a freezer or a refrigerator, then you can just cut a slice off of it and lay it on top yeah. of a steak and melt it. So it's easy to use. It's something you refreeze. It lasts for quite a while, and it's really a great way to do it. So for this... We've already got it kind of uh, melted out for the bread. So, well, in fact, I'm gonna wait to do that until you're ready to go with the wine. I'm we ready to go. I'm just gonna tell you briefly what I served was the Pinot Noir Sonomacos from Waddle Creek. And you know, Sonomacos being that amazing place, cool nights, warmer days, absolutely beautiful on the edge of the Pacific Ocean, goes very well, just in between Maybe as we nibble on the bread, we nibble on cheese as we're preparing this amazing dish because afterwards we're gonna go with a serious scab. So I think it's all you, you're looking so grand in the frame of the, uh, the Zoom here. It's looking fabulous. Well, I wanna be you. there right along with you. Well, maybe that's our next one. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe we need to do this together. Oh, I cannot wait. All right, so I just want to recap the steak real quick. So we just did a little canola oil. I use actually grapeseed oil, but canola oil, grapeseed oil, and peanut oil are the are the oils that I normally use on something like this because they work real well on our very hot grill. Olive oil is not your friend until the end. 
We don't want to use olive oil cooking because it kind of flares up, but at the end we can use it as a finishing oil and it works great. That's right. Uh, then I've used my uh, steak and chop salt, okay? And uh, it's one of my seasonings. So I have, I have steak and chop, I have a sticky pig sauce, which is a really cool barbecue uh, spice with lots of brown sugar. I have uh, a lemon pepper with rosemary. I have a barbecue rub. That's really great for briskets, chicken, anything like that. And then of course, uh, the steak and chop salt again is the number one thing. We then finished it with a little bit of Italian seasoning and a little bit of the uh, zest from the, from the e-crop, e e-trog, <laughs> e-trog. I'm telling you, I just, hey, you saw, I just found this two hours ago. I'm not kidding. And you, and you got a deal because I heard it, it could go up to $100. So you got it for six. It was a good, it was a good price. Listen, if that's true and I'm going to research that, I'm going back tonight and buying the rest of them. Okay. <laughs> could be an investment. All right. So now we're, we're set up on the grill. We've cleaned it. We've oiled it. We've scrubbed it. It's hot enough. Now we're getting ready to put our steak on and uh, we're going to, we're going to start our timer. You want to start the timer? There you go. And this is going to give you a little bit of an idea of how long this is going to take. Okay. Now, the other thing I want to point out is I also have uh, a chamber that we have some wood chips in. Yeah. I'm going to put in here and it, and the wood chips are going to start to smolder and the wood chips are going to give me smoke in a gas grill. Now, how cool is that? Oh, I love so it. That, that, that gives you, uh, if you have the gas grill and you want that beautiful smoke flavor, that gives everybody out there that's in that situation a really, really good alternative. And you get a little smoke flavor. It's really nice. It smells great out in the backyard. It's fantastic. So I want to oh, talk about one more thing here. I have a little blue cheese, and this is from Car Valley Dairy in Wisconsin. It's called Wildfire Blue. It's a spicy blue cheese. And my friend, uh, Sid Cook, who owns um, the dairy up there, which, by the way, Sid is, he's, uh, he, he's the owner of Car Valley, but he also is probably, in fact, I think he is the most decorated cheesemaker in the world. He's won more. Wow. He's won more competitions in cheese making than anyone else. And the cheese is fantastic. And occasionally he and I do uh, some things like this. In fact, John Charles, maybe, maybe Sid and you and I should get together. Of course. Absolutely. Steaks, wine, cheese. I don't know. Is there a better combo than that? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the dream triptych. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Now I'm going to put the bread on. Yeah. I'm going to put that on the middle where it's not quite so hot. And I'm going to ask Chris, who's controlling our board here, to give me a little time on it. How, how, where are we looking on the time? Minute 49. So give me two and a half minutes. And at two and a half minutes, we're going to quarter the steak so we get those beautiful lines on there. Because as yeah. you know, John Charles, you eat with your eyes first, and it's got to be beautiful. And uh, you know what I tell people is if, uh, if you're serving food that's really gorgeous, no matter how good it tastes, you get cred right up front for that. And we can charge a little more money for that. And that's good in the restaurant. Those lines are worth an extra five bucks on that steak. You know what I mean? Uh, I, coming from you, I would pay an extra 10 even. So um, here's where we're at. We have our steak going. We got just about 20 seconds where we're going to quarter it. Uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some lemon juice over the top of it with olive oil at the end. We're going to put our blue cheese up here. Uh, we've already got our toast going. 
We're ready. I just seen another sip of JCB. <laughs> Bubbles. Hey, tell me, how do you get your inspiration of constantly bringing new recipe to light or adding on, on an amazing dish like this one, all those great ideas and innovation? What's your source of inspiration? Well, I, I can say my number one source is travel, um, which unfortunately for the last year, I haven't done a whole lot of because of the crazy world we live in. But I can tell you that my wife and I, our gift to each other every year is travel. We travel to Italy, we travel to uh, the Orient, we travel to Mexico, we travel everywhere we can. And our sole purpose is to enjoy the culture which starts with food. Food, That's wine, uh, architecture, you know, everything about the place that we are in, we absorb, we love it. And it's my number one source of inspiration. I love it. I'm a quarter of the steak though, real quick. One sec. Yeah. We don't want it to burn. Wow, look at this. Magnificent. Oh, yeah. So you can start to see now that the wood chips are starting to smolder. It only takes a couple of minutes. And now the inside of the grill is going to start to fill up with this fantastic wood smoke. And right now I'm using hickory. And uh, in fact, links. Uh, they make the chamber. They also make a number of different types of wood uh, that uh, that they can, you know, that they can uh, put in there. And so you get some different flavor profiles. And uh, I can smell, I, I can smell the Italian seasoning. I'm, I wish you were here to smell this. And by the way, uh, I want to point out that all of these spices are all available on my website at chefkentrathman.com. And I would love for you to visit and check out what we're doing. And for sure, if you're in Dallas, uh, come and see us. If you travel to Dallas, I want you to come and see us. And uh, I want to say that before I get a piece of steak in my mouth, because while you're talking, I'm going to be eating. <laughs> well, very important that you all go to Chef Kent uh, website because unbelievable destination. Now, quick question here. Have you ever tried uh, as wood staves from the barrels? Because after four years, you know, we retire our barrels and instead of doing planters that people enjoy or furniture or even selling it to the bourbon and the whiskey people, it would be fun to cook with it. Well, in fact, I have, and you are exactly right. I mean, the, the flavor that comes off of wine staves. Um, in fact, I'll bet, you know, Jim Clendenin from uh, mm -hmm. Abba Winery. Would, Very well, also of does course. Fantastic uh, Pinot Noirs. You know, I was... I, my brother and I both did a dinner with him at the winery and all I had was wood staves from the barrel. And I was That's amazed right. at how wonderful they taste. So if we come out there, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to ask you to load up a bunch of wood and bring with you, John Carl's, because I mean, if you come to Dallas, that might be a little cumbersome. But if I come to Napa, <laughs> I want to cook on some barrels. Deal. Absolutely. Okay. We have amazing staves. And, you know, there's a few chefs, uh, great one in France specifically who does as well a roasted chicken. And I'm thinking Georges Blanc, you know, from Burgundy, very awarded chef like you, three-star Michelin, who's been doing for 47 years a recipe out of staves. And even the cuttings from the vines, because it adds a very unique, different wood characteristics to it. So it would be fun to play with that because we have it in our wines anyhow. So the pairing. I'm not cooking with anything else when I come. <laughs> that sounds Perfect. great. I'll put the barrels on the side. 
Wow, look at All this. All right, so our toast is looking good. Now I'm gonna go ahead and shut off the two sides of the grill that aren't underneath the steak. The steak is gonna continue to cook for a minute. Where are we at on our time? Well, we good. A few more minutes. I wanna ask you a question though, Kent, on, on a very unique moment in your life. And I think it's great to share it and to share how you recovered from it because you had a major incident Oof. where talking about, you know, roasting ribs, <laughs> you damage a few ribs of your body and uh, it was a big challenge for you. And many people, obviously, during the time we live in, are going through tough time themselves or friends. What happened and how did you recover from it and how it made you even a stronger person? Well, that's uh, I'm going to I'm going to condense the story a little bit because it's a, it could be a long story, but I'm going to I'm going to give you the, the, the cleft notes. Um, I was doing some work with a, uh, a Texas Wagyu beef uh, ranch yep. in Marfa, Texas, which is way west and way south. And in fact, uh, my wife and my daughter and myself were with the owner of the ranch, his wife and two other people on a Polaris. And we were just touring the ranch and uh, my wife and my daughter and I were sitting on a high, a high hunting seat, which raised above the back and was yeah. way up. And you've probably seen them on different kinds of vehicles. And we were For going sure. up the side of a mountain. And uh, for whatever reason, the uh, the seat released and we tipped over. And by the way, the seat's probably already seven feet or eight feet in the air. Wow. And we tipped over and fell backwards. I landed on a boulder on my back and my <laughs> daughter landed on me, thank goodness, because she, she barely even got dirty. So she didn't get hurt at all. Uh, but she did crush my chest. And I tell her that all the time. Trust me. She owes me. <laughs> she could. She crushed your heart all the time, of course. She crushed my heart. Uh, no, seriously, I was happy to take the brunt. Uh, Tracy had a pretty bad cut on her head, but she was pretty good. Uh, I, on the other hand, uh, after it was all counted up, I had uh, 22 ribs broken. Oof. Five of my ribs were broken twice. So in total, I had 27 fractures. I broke my spine in four places. And two of the places that it was broken was unstable, which meant that if I'd have made a wrong move at any time, I could have been paralyzed for life, which thank God I didn't. Um, and now you're dancing. <laughs> and now I'm dancing. Uh, I lacerated my kidney. I collapsed the lung. And on top of all that, I landed in a pile of fire ants, which I'm highly allergic to. Wow. Uh, and then on top of all that, we were in the desert with no cell phone signal. We were 30 minutes inside this ranch, which was all very, very mountainous and very, uh, I mean, it was desert. And um, so by the time that I got to a hospital, was three and a half hours later, oh. uh, before I got back to Dallas to a trauma center, it was 30 hours. There were nine ambulance rides and two care flights. And I'm a very lucky person to even be standing here talking to you today. That's amazing. So how did, how did it make you stronger than ever? Well, I think number one, and I, you know, I think we're all going through kind of a crazy time with this COVID deal. Uh, the number one thing I think that, that I sort of looked at differently is the time I spend 
with the people I love and the people I care about. Um, yeah. You know, I, I work hard. You know, our business is crazy. We always work like crazy. But I try to make time for people. And most of all, and I, I know that you're going to appreciate what I'm about to say, you know, in this business, we see and run into so many people. And we throw out sometimes those comments that they're just niceties sometimes. Hey, let's get together for lunch. Hey, let's have a glass of wine. Hey, let's, let's go to dinner. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And I really made an effort that if I said that to someone, I tried to follow through with that. Well done. And I, I can't do it all the time because we're still crazy busy, but I, I make a point to follow up and to do the things that I think will make me and the people around me happy and fulfilled. And I think that's what life is all about. And I think we all need to appreciate life as much as possible. And in, in, in this current situation we're in, man, we all need to be careful. We all need to be courteous. And we need to do whatever we can to keep anyone from getting this disease uh, as much as possible. Yeah, well said. Wow, great life lessons and, and great advice. And to focus on priorities that are important to you and to others and, and being loyal to those absolute moments. I think it's very important. Well said. Awesome. Well, we're delighted to see you in better shape than ever. Well, so tell us about that beautiful piece of meat we see here. Yes. Ooh. Well, I can you know, feel uh, the smell. I wish you could smell it. I'm telling you, it smells great here. Uh, also, I'd like to thank you for asking a question right as I pulled the steak out, because what that allowed me to do was allow the steak to rest, which is our sort of final thing before cutting. You want to you always pull a piece of meat out of the oven or off the grill and let it rest for a few minutes before you cut it, because, you know, meat is a muscle. Yeah. When it's hot, it's either in an oven or on a, in a pan or on a grill. It tenses up. It gets very tight. Kind of like wine, sure. it's tight. Um, so if you let it rest for a few minutes, it relaxes and it has a better mouthfeel. And it is, uh, it's just such a better experience if you, if you let it rest a bit. So the thing you're looking for, if you've ever cut a piece of meat or a turkey or a chicken and the juices ran all over the cutting board, chances are you yeah. cut it too quick. I and see. So you wanna make sure that you let it rest. So let's see how we've done. I was shooting for medium rare on this guy. So, uh, by the way, I want to show you guys, Scott, can you get a little close here? So this little piece of meat on the ribeye, it comes, it starts right here. You can see it and it comes around about right here. Did you know that this is a steak all in itself? It's called the spinalis. Okay. And this piece of meat is going to be for the chef. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to take a little, little bite of that. Oh well, I'm going to take a bite of the wine then. <laughs> Go for it. Because we're going to let it rest too. It's like beef. If you open a bottle of wine, wait 30, 45 minutes sometimes. Oh, isn't, you, it, amazing, only, isn't it amazing the similarities in wine and food? Really much the same, isn't it? Wow, I love. You've achieved your objective. I mean, this is medium rare to the highest level. It came out very nice. So three minutes on the grill and then two to three minutes resting the same amount on the grill as you rested. You know, I think it was maybe a little bit more like seven minutes on the grill, but 
It was a pretty okay. thick steak. But yeah, a couple of minutes after we rest it, it's a perfect medium rare. And of course, the thicker the steak, the more that you want to, you know, kind of let it let it rest. Now I'm going to put a little bit of that uh, that wildfire blue cheese on here. Let me kind of clean <laughs> up my, my board here. So I don't know about that, buddy, but I I think that's going to go pretty good with that Pinot. Or what, what do you got? What's the next one? Well, the next one is the Cabernet from Alexander Valley. So I think it will go very well because of the blue cheese and the 2016 vintage. So we purposely today wanted to feature as well a wine with a little bit of bottle, as we say, a little bit of age. So four years is, is a perfect amount for that soft, you know, minty, uh, ethereal and lightly oaked, beautiful tannins, which I think will go very well with your smoke oak that, or not oak, but smoke wood that you've, you know, uh, infused slightly your, your beef. So I think the two together would be magical. How is it? Very good. <laughs> I'm going to brush it. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. That was a pretty <laughs> oh, good little so nibble. Good. I'm going to kind of brush this steak right here with our herb butter. Yeah. And uh, I may even... Uh, I got. I'm. Man, I'm not sure what I want to do first. Whether I want to eat the sandwich or just want to eat the piece of meat. For <laughs> sure, I'm gonna enjoy it with some bubbles. <laughs> well, why not bubbles and beef as well? So, Kent. So it doesn't take that long to do this amazing recipe for everyone, and it's it's a fairly easy, as you demonstrated, as long as you have the right ingredients. So we'll go on your website, buy the herbs, and. The aromatics, so we can have all that ready. But all in takes what thirty minutes. You know what? I think I think if uh, if you start it out, it might take thirty minutes. I mean, the first thing you're going to want to do is fire up your grill, get your steak ready, clean the grill, and I think you can be done in thirty minutes for sure. You know, um, the other thing I'd tell you, I, I I would love to offer. I'd love to offer the uh, the recipe to anybody watching. So oh, for um, sure. I'm going to tell you the best way to do this. Okay. Um, I have a, I have a text message following that we, uh, that we use and it's kind of a, it's, it's pretty cool. If you just text my name, Rathbun, R-A-T-H-B-U-N to 888-111 and send it, you'll be on our text message list. And then you'll start to get text messages when we have Amazing things like uh, Jean-Charles Boisset coming to Dallas and cooking with me in my home. That, that, that kind of thing will be on that text message. And uh, if you put in there that you'd like to have the recipe for this, uh, this steak, I'm happy to send it to you. But again, like I said, you can buy all the spices at my website at chefkentrathbun.com. And uh, it's an easy recipe. It's fun to cook. Uh, I, I say spend more time enjoying and less time with work. And uh, I know that with these wines that you're going to suggest, I don't know, you can't have a better evening. Absolutely. And, and Ken, before we, we depart after this amazing time, mention to our friends your restaurant briefly so they know as the world reopens, and, and I know you are reopened now in, in Texas. We are. Give them a feel about your, your multiple places. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm probably most most famous for Abacus Restaurant, uh, which yep. is a restaurant that I opened in 1999. However, um, I separated from Abacus and Jasper's a few years ago, 
So after I did that, I opened a, a new restaurant called Emoto. And Emoto yep. is uh, a Japanese restaurant down near the American Airlines Center, which is where the Mavericks play and the Stars play our, our hockey and basketball teams. And then my wife and I uh, together own uh, Emoto. We also together own Shinsei, uh, which yep. is also Japanese and Pan-Asian kitchen. We also have a restaurant called uh, Lover Seafood Market, which, which is on Lover's Lane. Yeah, the name, and uh, it's a beautiful seafood restaurant that specializes in everything from Cajun to Asian to I mean, we just do seafood from all over the world and really fun dishes. It's got a fantastic patio. I'm also part of a restaurant called Republic, which is kind of a, a bourbon centric uh, concept that has a Texas theme. Uh, and then uh, the most the most interesting thing I'm doing right now and the newest thing is we do Rathbun's curbside barbecue. And Rathbun's oh. curbside barbecue is, uh, you know, you talk about, you talk about what's happened over the past, you know, nine months or a year with COVID, and you talk about people having to pivot their business and people having to do things new and different than ever before. You know, I, I think one of the most interesting things about this, in a, in a positive way, is that it has put a lot of us into a position where we had to make some changes. We had to pivot. And I think it's given us license to do things that we might not have ever done before, uh, because we know that under these circumstances, everything is going to be accepted. Even if it doesn't work well, it's going to be That's accepted right. as, a, as a try. I mean, we tried something, it didn't work. We tried something and it blew up. When COVID started, we started a curbside barbecue business that has exploded for us. We have, Fantastic. Uh, we have three big trailer smokers. We have a 35 foot concession trailer. That's basically the, the rolling restaurant of the company. Uh, we roll around the city and we do curbside pickups on Saturday and Sunday. We do catering and special events. And it, it's not only fun, but it has also been a great way to keep a lot of my guys working. And it has provided income for a lot of my folks that Quite honestly, if we hadn't made the decision to do it, they would have been in trouble. And wow, so this is a big deal. Yeah, we're talking very excited about the about right. It. Well, talking about the right definition of pivoting and knowing, you know, how to take another direction and still keep your team and doing something great. This is very impressive. Congratulations. And now, such great advice. What would be your lasting advice for everyone with us all around the world? We have friends today watching. So what message do you want to leave everybody with during the time we live in? Well, this is coming from my heart and my soul, and it's driven by the accident that I have. Um, I will tell you, cherish your moments. Um, cherish your friends, cherish your family, and do not ever, ever, take what we have for granted because it can be taken from you in a moment. And Love I, the advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing. Very well said, Kent. And I really so much want to thank you. I know, you know, it's exciting to cook and demonstrate, but your messaging as well is so strong and your advice and all the emotion you put into what you're doing is fabulous. And to be with us, as one of the most amazing awarded chef in the country. We want to thank you so much and cannot wait to do it in person. Pleasure. I can't wait to do it either. Thank you so much. Cheers and bon appetit. Cheers.
and the oak barrels are waiting for you. So come over.